Father God, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for this day, a day of men, and we rejoice and declare it. I stand to minister your word. I thank you that the word you have given me, Father God, is for education, for nourishment, for healing, for deliverance, for growth of God Almighty, that we may be able to apprehend the spiritual destinies that you have ordained for us before time began. Once again, we lift even Mama in China. We pray for her, Father, that you cover her with your precious blood, protect her. We pray for good business deals, give her business acumen, wisdom, counsel, health, and holiness. In the name of Jesus, let your favor go before her. We pray for this congregation that is the way God wanted. It will bring healing, deliverance, salvation, miracles, and deliverance. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Come with me to the book of Matthew. I'll read the last verse in chapter 16, but the one I want is in chapter 17. You know, when the Bible was written, there were no chapters initially, so sometimes you may find some things do overlap. So the, those who put chapters, we thank God for them, but sometimes they missed it. The, the whole story that here is the beginning of something different and put a chapter. So here in Matthew, you see it in verse 28 of chapter 16, but it was supposed to be chapter 17. It, was, it flows with the things that are in chapter 17. Verse 26, 28 actually, chapter 16 says, Verily I say unto you, there are some standing here which shall not see death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There are some standing here who shall not test death. Save they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. He was talking about the second coming. And he's talking to his disciples. And he says, continuation now into chapter 17. After six days, Jesus taken up Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bring them up the high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face was shining as the sun, and his raiment was white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles or tents, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he yet spake, this a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice coming out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were so afraid. And Jesus came to them and touching them said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man but Jesus only. And when they come down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again. Let's also turn to the book of 2 Peter. Peter writes about this account towards the end of his own life. And when he, when he writes it, he says uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, he's talking about this experience that he had in Matthew 17. He says, For we have not followed a cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when, when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which was come from heaven we heard when we were with him on the holy mount. We were also more we are also a more sure, so we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well to take heed unto the light that shines in that place until the day dawns and the day star arise in your heart, knowing first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. May God bless the reading of this word. Amen. But here we see vision. The title of my message is Visions. Visions is part of a Christian life to have visions. Not a vision as in what are the vision for your business, but the seeing a vision. Seeing a vision is part of a Christian calendar. In your Christian life, you need to see visions. If you haven't seen visions, you need to ask God that, Lord, I want to see visions. If you turn to Joel chapter 2, verse 28, when Joel was prophesying, he says, it will come to pass that in the last days, God will pour out his spirit upon office. On maid servants, men servants, he says, your young men shall see visions. Young men and young women, you will see visions, and old men will dream dreams. So it's part of a human nature in Christ to see visions. What are the purposes of visions then? Why would I need to see a vision? I can do without a vision if I hear from God. Not really. But visions, they bring certainties. They affirm certain things that we can hear. When you have seen a vision, your faith is boosted. It's no longer as it was. If you read Peter there before the, the verses I read, he was talking about this one day. That the Lord has shown me that I'm going to die. But he now brings this vision that he had with the Lord on the mountain. Which gave him boldness to face whatever you're going to face. Visions, they strengthen your faith. You read Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Why did he link the death of Isaiah of, 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 of Uzziah and seeing the Lord? It was because it was at a crisis point. Nations around them knew that the king of Judah is gone. He was a military king. And they knew an opportunity to attack Judah is at hand. So God revealed himself, and the name that God revealed himself was Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of the armies of heaven. He was revealing himself as king over Judah. That is, I control Judah. There are kings who are mortal men die, but I am the king everlasting of Judah. I will defend Judah. I will protect Judah. So when you see a vision, it, it strengthens, it emboldens your faith. And many times, sometimes when you are at a crisis point, God gives you a vision. You don't have to be very spiritual to see a vision. I remember my mother, she was a religious woman, 
growing up, I was very young then. But she used to tell us of the time she moved, they moved to a new place, a new village was being being built and they moved there and there were lots of wild animals. It was still lots of bushes and around and people were far and far between. And when they moved there, my mother used to be scared because my father would go to town to work. And she was left with us only children. But she said in her fear she used to pray. She wasn't born again, just a religion. When she prayed, she said, one day I saw an eye looking at me from heaven. Then from that time I ceased to be afraid. So you don't have to be very spiritual to see a vision. You don't need 40 days and 40 nights, although God may take you through that, but you don't need that to see a vision. God can show you a vision. You just need to be hungry. All Christian graces are available to those that are hunger for him, isn't it? If you hunger, blessed are they that hunger and thirst before they shall be filled. So you need to be hungry to say, God, if you have a situation that is troubling you, say, God, show me. Show me the end of this matter. I need to know what is the end of this matter. When you press and persevere, you find it in the book of Daniel. When Daniel had seen vision, he still had questions about the vision he had seen. He said, I wanted to know about the little one that toppled the other three. That is the mouth that spoke great words, that he boasted. So he decided to know about this little one in Daniel chapter 7. We are talking about the coming of the Antichrist. So he began now to ask and God began to reveal. That's why I say you need to be hungry. You need to pursue. To say, God, what is the meaning of Even if you have seen a vision, you still need to know the interpretation of the vision. It's not enough just to see a vision, but you need to know even what to do with the vision. What's the purpose? Everything that God does is a purpose. It's not for entertainment. So when you see a vision, don't go about boasting that I've seen a vision before you even know what the vision is meant for. So go through things today that show you how to conduct yourself when God gives you a vision. Because it's very important that when you see a vision, you remain within the guidance of scripture. There are people, some religions, they've been studied by people who have seen a vision and they've not interpreted, interpreted it as to where it came from. And they went about saying, my vision now is greater than the Bible. Everything needs to be tested and the word of God is above the vision. So we need to look at the certain things. God, when Peter writes here, notice in verse 7, in verse 20 of that chapter, it says, in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says, Knowing first that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. What is he talking about? He's talking about that what we read in the Bible is no personal interpretation. It's for the entire body of Christ. And he's also talking about our visions here. Verse 19 says, For we have a more sure word of scripture. In other words, Peter was not even elevating the vision he had when he went up the mountain with Jesus above scripture. He was saying we have a more sure word. In other words, he was putting the word above the vision. So when you see a vision, you need to remember that the, your vision is not greater than the word of God. Hello? Your vision needs to be tested by the word of God. If it doesn't line up with the scripture, reject it. It is not from God. God is not the author of confusion. 
So it's important when you see a vision to remain within the guidelines of Scripture. And even those that are above you spiritually. It's important because there are people who have seen a vision and they have become a loose cannon going about it. Just so we would look at what a vision entails and sometimes what is your reaction or your response. You find when we read in Matthew 16, there's something that is important. Visions is a means of communication as well. God speaks to us in different ways. But one of the ways is through a vision. Sometimes visions, there are different types of visions. Some of them are out-of-body experience, where you literally come out of your body and go somewhere and see a vision. And sometimes it's a body experience where you literally travel in your own body. So visions are different. I remember one time when I went with the Lord into heaven, when I came back, I remember snuggling into my body, which was lying on the bed, and I knew it was an out-of-body experience. So visions are different. But they carry the same way with which to conduct ourselves. First thing about visions you need to know is that visions reveal secrets. Visions, they reveal secrets about God. If you read Deuteronomy 29, verse 29 says it, secret things belong to our God, to the Lord our God. But things revealed belong to us and to our children that would do everything that is written in the law. Secret things belong to God. But He desires to reveal it to us. There are things that He reveal, there are things which He never reveal. So the secret things are revealed in visions. Like Daniel, that's why he continued to ask, because there are secret things. They've never been taught. And that's one way we worship God, because He's all knowing. So when he gives you a vision, it's just like he's breaking off and saying, this is part of knowledge that you need for you to get to your destiny. So secrets. Remember what, what the disciples were telling Tell no one the vision, verse, verse 9, until the Son of God be risen from the dead. Tell no one. It's a secret. So these are the three disciples that had gone up the mountain. The, remain, the other nine are at the base of the mountain in the valley, struggling to cast out a demon. And these ones were being shown things to come. So what happens in a vision is this. Suppose this line that you see here, this is physical life and that is spiritual life. Visions, they take you out of the physical life into the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, you can either go in the past, or you can go in the future. In this instance, they stepped out of the physical realm and they went as far as the second coming of Christ, where he showed them his glory. That in my second coming, this is the power and the glory I will have. It was meant to strengthen That is not just words. Not only that, but there are two individuals that appeared in that vision. So when they move from the physical into the spiritual, everything becomes possible in the spiritual. Moses, who was dead for over a thousand years, was resurrected and placed there on the mountain. Elijah, who went to heaven bodily, also appeared. And Peter now makes a mistake here. He says, let us make three tabernacles for, for you three. In other words, he's putting Jesus 
along with Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophet. And God intervened and said, This, meaning Jesus, is my beloved son. Hear him, not them. Him. So, the dispensation we are in, we have crossed over from the law and the prophets. We are in the dispensation of grace where you need to hear him. Where we are living right now, you need to hear Jesus. And you need not bless Jesus alongside any other prophets. That's the problem with Muslims this day. They'll tell you that Jesus is just a prophet. Jesus is not a created being. He is the creator. Everything was created by him, whether thrones or dominions. He created everything. And everything in him consists. And anyone who doesn't confess that cannot be saved. In this dispensation we are living in, it's blessing Jesus where he belongs. That's why you find when we worship God, we worship through him. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. So scripture is a lot of men and women who saw visions. But we are just going to touch a few people who saw visions and how they reacted. Because it's very important what you do with the vision you have been shown. Because each time God appears to you or speaks to you, he expects you to act according to what he has said. The second thing you need to know about visions is humility. Visions can be a source of pride. When God sits, shows you certain things, you can become prideful. The flesh wants to take hold of the vision and run with it. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is wrestling with that idea. The Corinthians have told him that you are not like Peter, you are not like James, you are not like John the Apostles in Jerusalem. You yourself, you are a substitute. You are a second-hand apostle. So he now says, coming to visions, from, from verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he now talks about him being caught up into third heaven and being shown things. That we are not permitted for men to speak. That's why I say visions, they are secrets. There are things which God wants you to withhold sometimes in a vision, which you might, He might not allow you to share with anybody. Because they are meant for you. Some of you, the way you are looking at me, you are wondering, will I ever see a vision? You will. Keep living and you will see a vision. Because God does not give a message except it has got its way of accomplishment. The word of God will never return God. He has sent it, and it will accomplish what he has sent it today. So tell no one the vision until the Son of Man be risen from the dead. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, Paul says, I heard things that are not permitted for any man to speak. He didn't speak about them, although he's boasting about himself, going into heaven, Third heaven, when he talks about third heaven, that's where the throne of God is. So he says, I went there, but I won't tell you what I saw. And he's talking in second person that I know a man. He didn't say I, I was. 
Although he's boasting, he's in vain boasting. Because he's realizing that I shouldn't be. But because you are questioning my authority and my apostleship, I have to tell you what qualifies me to be an apostle. Which comes to another point now that visions sometimes they come to confirm a calling that is in a life. I don't know what calling you have in your life, but some callings they are qualified by visions. Suppose you are called to be an apostle, you need to have seen the Lord Jesus. Apostles, they see Jesus. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. Paul is writing. He's still contending with the, with the Corinthians. I like the book of Corinthians. Because it brings out the flavor. It brings out all that was in Paul because he was cornered. You know, when you're cornered, that's where your true character comes out. That's where you bring out all your repertoire. Whatever graces God has put in you. When you feel cornered, they come. Women will not cook him. When you put something there, it could be heat. That's where all the mingling of the spices and all the like. You are not the ingredients. Now make a meal. So Paul was cornered by the Corinthians, and now he brings out all the things that God had invested in him. But he's, he's, he's clever in that he doesn't boast about himself. He says all this were from God. That's why I say it takes humility. You need always to remember that it comes from God. It's not a badge of maturity. But I'm mature enough that I see visions. And the other thing is, visions don't come every day. I may be preaching about visions, but I don't see visions every day. Matter of fact, from 20, 2002, it took me nearly 10 years before I had another vision. So visions don't come every day, but they do come. So visions come to confirm calling. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen the Lord Jesus? Why did he leave the Lord Jesus with this apostolic calling? Because apostles need to have seen the Lord. As we were Peter and, and John in the life, they saw him in flesh. But Paul, when he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 8, when he talks about the resurrection of Christ, he says, we tell you about the scriptures that Christ rose from the dead and was seen first by Cephas, which is Paul, Peter, then by the twelve, the twelve disciples, then by five hundred witnesses, and verse 8 says, as somebody born out of Jesus, and he was seen by me. So, you are saying, I also saw the Lord... But I was born out of season. I didn't see him in flesh. I saw him when I moved out of the physical into the spiritual. I saw a vision of God. In Numbers chapter 12, verse 6. The book of Numbers, if you read from verse 1, that's where Miriam and Aaron were contending with Moses. Because Moses had married an Ethiopian woman. Possibly Moses was a military commander in the, in the Pharaoh's army before his calling and might have gone to Ethiopia, fought the battle, won the battle, carried him, kept him, including women, and was given a wife. So they were now contending that you married a non-Jewish woman. Does the Lord only speak through Moses? Does he not speak through us as well? Aaron was a high priest. He could hear God. 
Miriam was a prophetess, she could also hear that. And when they spoke against Moses, that's where now God comes in and calls the three to the tent of meeting. And when they went there, God began to speak. He called out Miriam and Aaron. And they stood before the Lord, and the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and said, Hear now. When you hear God saying, Hear now, it's, it's, it's serious business. He says, To prophets, I reveal myself in visions. I make myself known, and in dreams I speak to them, but not with my seven words. In other words, he's bringing a demarcation here. That you may be prophets, and I reveal myself to you in visions. But when it comes to Moses, I speak to him mouth to mouth as a man speaks to a friend. So why were you not afraid? To speak about against myself and Moses. Consider business. How would you answer that? Since the Lord was angry and he went away. And Miriam, Miriam became leprous. Straight away. So we need also to be careful how we speak, isn't it? As believers, especially against the servants of God. There's always need to be careful about the way we speak. When we were coming this morning, I was talking to my wife, she was, we were playing a CD, a Hebrew CD. So she said, oh, you need to do more than Hebrew. And we were saying, oh, yeah. I said, but most of these things are similar, and I was telling me about it. Reporters, in Hebrew, a leg is called a record. So if you are a reporter, a messenger, you are called a reply. I said, some of the things are still the same. So I was telling to her about this issue. So we were talking, and I said, but I remember back home in Zimbabwe, we were talking about people who gossip and say it's foot and mouth. The feet do the walking and the mouth does the talking. So you need to be careful when you are put by foot and mouth. And it comes to servants of God. It's very serious before God. Not them, but recognizing the anointing that is in them. Miriam and Moses and Aaron thought because Moses is our young brother. They missed the point. And when God came to correct it, He came in judgment. Last week we had a book launch. After the book launch, at night I had a dream. I had a very funny dream. And that dream that the man was fighting me. And I wasn't fighting them, I was just saying, this man, I'm not going to fight this person. I'm going to allow God to fight. So He kept coming and provoking me to my face and kept on. And I was saying, God, if you don't do something, if you does it one more time, I'm going to react. So before he did anything, I just saw lightning coming from heaven. And it struck that person, which I realized is the spirit. I didn't see it again. But before it struck, the lightning came like in a fork shape. One board came straight and struck the, the, the man that was before me. Then the other board was going. And I heard the name of a person that was going to strike. And the person I know. And the reason I was given says, for speaking against you myself. I remember that person was in a ministry with my wife. And she began to cause a lot of problems. So when I heard that, and the voice with which God was speaking was so authoritative. There was so much authority, it was the voice of judgment. You wouldn't want to hear God when he speaks in that way of judgment. 
So be careful when you speak out. So I was now in a posture of mercy. And I said, Lord, you have mercy. In the red, remember mercy. Be merciful. So when God shows you that he's going to judge somebody because of what they've done to you, what do you do? You say, oh yes. Give it and give it. Die by fire. Do you? You pray for mercy. Psalm 89 verse 14 says, Righteousness and judgment are the foundations of your throne. Mercy and the truth go before you. Mercy and truth go before God. When Moses was told him that the step back, I'm going to wipe this congregation and I will make you into a great nation. Moses fell on his face and pleaded for mercy. Have mercy on us. So the more you grow in God, the more you do not want your enemies judged. Because most of the time, the things we say, we say in ignorance. But when God comes to judge, He comes to judge. It takes now this very person who has been hurt to pray for mercy. That's why visions require an element of spiritual maturity. You need to mature in the Lord to know how to handle certain things. But when God comes in judgment, I pray for mercy. I pray for people to be forgiven. Visions come also to bring comfort and encouragement. Comfort and encouragement. Like I said, Peter's reason of writing this was to comfort himself that the Lord Jesus went through this. And I'm also going to go through it. Comfort and encouragement. And Paul also writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. He was writing to the Corinthians, he said, I wouldn't want you to be ignorant of the trials that we went through in Asia. We were pressed beyond measure above strength that we despaired of life. Indeed, we felt that the sentence of death was upon us. And he says, we thank God who can encourage the doubters. No doubt the visions that Paul had of God, they have been Because he said, we despaired of life. We said, we might as well die. And he says, we thank God who can force the doubters. So visions come to encourage and to come force. Like Isaiah 6, verse 1, which I read as well. It was comfort and encouragement that Isaiah, you are not alone. Isaiah, I am with you and I am with the nation of Judah. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, Peter was writing about himself that I'm going to put away this body as the Lord has shown me. In other words, the Lord Jesus has already shown Peter that he's going to die. How would you feel if God was going to show you that he's going to die? What would you feel? Nervous. You feel like running away. But it's what you see that encourages If you see that where I'm going is more glorious than where I am, Paul says the same thing in the second Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. He says, I've fought a good fight, I've, I've finished the race. For me, he set a crown, and now the time of my departure is at end. I'm talking of the apostolic calling. That's why I say apostles need to see this. Because the things they go through. Demands that they have visions which becomes a foundation upon which their hope is built. 
visions, they undergird faith in times of harvest. You realize that the things that I'm believing, like Peter writes there, he says, we did not follow a cunningly divided message when we made known to you about the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Do you realize that in scripture, for every first coming, there are at least two or three about this second coming? There are more scriptures about the second coming of Jesus than about his first coming. So if there are fewer scriptures and he did come in the first coming, what makes you not believe that he will come in the second coming? He will. He will come. But when he comes, what will we have done ourselves with our lives? Will we have done what he wants us to do? Sometimes he takes a vision of what's going to happen in the future to prepare me in the now. God takes you on a journey into the future and says, this is it. He can show you your crown in heaven and bring you back in the now and say, now I want you to live right and work to get that crown. Work in my kingdom. Because sometimes what we lack is vision. But when we have this vision of seeing things in the future, we can prepare better for the future when we know what the future is. Isn't it? Some of you have got callings for business. Sometimes God can show you a finished product or, or a finished company that you will have. Because business is not just about angels in heaven. It's also about what God wants you to do now. Whether it's an orphanage, you can see it and bring back in the now and begin now to do the preparation. You can see a person that God is going to divinely connect you to make your dream come true. Isn't it? Like Joseph, you can see your brothers bowing before you before they get back. It takes visions and dreams. So don't take lightly, especially the dreams that you have that are prophetic. Don't take lightly the visions that God gives you because they have got a purpose. If you see a vision, it says, Lord, to what purpose is this vision? Connect me with it that I run with the vision. Isn't it? You need to be ready and willing to run with the vision that God has called you. Let me conclude. I believe many of us will see this. As the coming of our Lord draws near, so will there be an intensity in seeing visions and dreams. If you go back in the church age, maybe 100 years ago, there were very few people who would tell you that they have seen an angel, they have been to heaven. But nowadays, it seems the spiritual heaven is easily accessible. There are so many people, you don't have to be a prophet or an apostle to see a vision. But there are now so many people that are seeing visions. I remember in 2009 reading a book about heaven. But saying heaven is so real by Mary the pastor. And when I read it in the encounters with the Lord, they challenged me. Because she had a personal relationship with Jesus. And Jesus would come and take her to heaven. At one point they were she, she, she went with him and there was a river, they even caught fish in heaven. And Jesus went to prepare the fish for her. And they were eating in heaven. 
He challenged me so much. I said, I want, I also want to be close to you. I mean, we have so much access as he has. But he takes us to say, God, I want this. God, I want more of this. I want more of you. More of you. Christian life can be exciting when God begins to reveal certain secrets in his kingdom. You become excited, it energizes you. You cease to be this slothful person. You say, oh, this son again going to the house. Okay, bring my bed. Children, where are you? Where are the turkeys? It's not monotonous. Visions bring life. They bring energy. That's why Moses did 120 years. His eyes were not dim. His strength was still within him. Do you know if you live in the realm of glory? You remain young. Do you know that? It's a battle. I'm also battling to get in there. It's not easy. Because the flesh is also pulling you into the physical. But you need to rest yourself. You might not do it every time, but there are moments I say, God, I want, you. I want to meet you. I want to come into your presence, not asking for anything but for him. You remember Israel when they were in the wilderness? They came at a crisis point when God said it. He intervened and he came in judgment again. He said, I'm going to get you, let you get into the promised land, but my presence is no longer going with you. And as a believer, sometimes you can live a life like that. That you are getting all the promises in the Bible, but you lack the presence. How would you like that? Some people say, yeah! I like all the gifts that God can give me. It's His presence, right? Moses if your presence does not take us from where you are, don't bring us What's the faith? How will you be different from people who are in the land if your presence does not go with us? Same question with you and me. How are we different with people in the world if his presence is not in us? If there's no action, there's no power, there's no glory. What's the point of being a believer? It's not chasing money, Christian. Because there are people who are richer than us who are there financially. But they are miserable. Because inwards, there is no presence. There is no glory. But when Christ is in you, it's the hope of glory. You know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, He is with me. Though this flesh may die, I will live for him. I'm destined for eternal That's what we hear from them. And Moses knew it. He said, no, 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 no. We are not going to settle for you, just your, your promises. We want your presence. Let's rise in the house of God. We just want to pray. I don't know where you are spiritually, but God does. I don't know what's calling you in your life either, but God does. And there is a presence. There's an anointing that has to go with it. There are visions and dreams that, that are tailor-made to bring you into your promised lands and for you to carry the presence of God always. How lovely it is. Whenever, wherever you go, you carry the presence. And people say, you are so different. 
Oh, you are so different. This, I don't know what's in you, but when you come, things happen. The wisdom of God, the cancer of God, the boldness of God. Being called with the power of the coming age. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is the power of the coming age? But He's living in you right now. He wants to express what's in the future in the now through you. Let's just pray and open up ourselves and God. I want the Spirit of God to express and manifest Himself in my life, whether through visions or dreams. Bring me into the realities that you have destined for me. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray and thank you for your word. Your word is life. We pray, Father, as we come before you, Father. We pray, Father God, even as I have ministered your word, Father. Your word will not return void. But that which you have sent it to, Father God, we decree that it be accomplished. We decree, Father God, that open our eyes to see. Grant us visions, Lord Almighty, that we see as you see. We see situations in the light of your glory, in the light of your countenance. Help us, Lord Almighty, with the dreams you give us, the visions that we have for us, Lord Almighty, to connect us with the destiny that you have ordained for us before time began. We pray, Father, this afternoon, for the Spirit of God to remove everything that has bled our vision, everything that has distracted us so far from beholding you. We say like Moses, let your presence go with us now. If your presence does not come up with us, do not take us from here. We want your presence. We want your glory. We want your anointing. We want your spirit, Lord. Even the spirit that brought Christ from the dead. We desire a quickening by the spirit of God. Help us, Lord Almighty, to run the race that is set before us with endurance until we reach the mark of God Almighty until we reach the fullness of the measure and stature of Christ Jesus. Help us to be humble. Grant us humility. Grant us to hold sacred the secrets that you bestowed on us, Lord. Grant us to be judged by scripture, every vision and dream you give unto us, Lord. Help us to, to cause it, Father God, to be subject to scripture. Help us, Lord Almighty, not to be entertained by the visions and dreams you give us, but to know that it is for a purpose. We thank you for people whom you have aligned in our lives, O oh God, as we walk this journey. The destiny changes you have bestowed in us, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus that we will recognize strategic people, strategic moments, strategic times that you want us, O oh God Almighty, to move, O oh God, when the tide is moving. We pray that the Spirit of God may quicken us, Lord, may bring us to that place where everything is created. Help us to comprehend with all the saints, to know the love of God that passes understanding, to be grounded and rooted in Him, Father, and to bear fruit that remain. We love you and we bless your name, Father. We pray that this word, Father God, will accomplish that which you have ordained for it, God. And we decree your healing anointing upon everyone who is sick in this place, Lord. We seek the divine healing of God to flow by the wounds of Christ. Be thou made whole. If you are sick in body, just hold, hold the part that is painful or sick. We just want to pray that God will touch you. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that healing is bread for your children. 
by the wounds of Jesus, we decree divine healing. We take authority over every spirit of sickness and infirmity. We cast out every spirit of sickness. We say, get out, you have no power over the children of the living God. And we decree an anointing of health and wholeness. Be thou made whole, be healed and be made whole. We decree strength for those that are weak and weak. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you and we bless you. In Jesus' mighty name.